Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems like bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no eyes have seen or ears have heard. You don't know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. But ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I invite us this morning to think about when the front door is blocked. When the front door is blocked. Not when the front door is locked, but when the front door is wide open, but you can't go through because someone or something is in the way. The path you thought you would take is no more. Such is life, right? We experience when the front door is blocked. This morning's gospel centers on accessibility. Accessibility to Jesus, which is accessibility to wholeness, to forgiveness, to healing. And the text is unclear about who these four people are, but there are four people that play a crucial part in this narrative. These four people are carrying a paralytic man, a man for whatever reason or cause has limited movement. He has to rely on others to get him where he needs to go. Often we say that the four helping him are committed friends, but we don't really know that. They are certainly committed, but we may ask how did they end up with the hand, their hand on the stretcher? And so I invite us to use our sanctified imagination, a gift that God gave each of us. Perhaps one of them is a family member who steps in and takes on a greater caretaking role in a time of need. Another one is a helpful neighbor who is always keeping tabs on this man, checking in on him and helping him, and this day, this is how he could help. Another is, it's a stranger walking through the street, watching others struggle, and she jumps in to help. We have all encountered an angel like this that has given us a lift that has dug us out of a snowy situation, that have helped us in, even though we didn't know who they were. And the fourth person, well, who do you think the fourth person is? Who do you think is the fourth person to jump in? Because we don't know how they are or how they are not related, but they lift him and they carry him. They use their time and their strength to get this man to Jesus, who just returned home. And as they approach the house, perhaps a little winded, they are confronted with the sheer size of this crowd. All sorts of people gathered to see Jesus and to hear a word. And since they could not move at the speed or swiftness of others, all five of them find themselves at the very back of the line. But because it is urgent, we can imagine that they began pleading with those in the back. Excuse me, we, we need to get to see Jesus. We need to make room to get there. 
but no one moves. Someone probably threw some shade at their direction, maybe rolled their eyes a bit, but for whatever reason, the way is blocked. Perhaps people felt their forgiveness or healing was a priority or should be a priority over the man's. Perhaps they don't move because they got there first and feel they deserve the spot that they are in. Perhaps they are one of the scribes who felt it was their responsibility to fact-check Jesus about what the laws and the prophetic texts actually say, being literate. But regardless, the plea of the five are ignored or shrugged off. They will not move. Now when the front door is blocked, you can either wait or you can walk away. We experience that at crowded restaurants or long waiting rooms. We can either wait as long as it takes or we can just leave. Maybe go to another place. However, when you need to get inside, when it is urgent, when you need to see the doctor, when you need help because what you carry is too much, when you need someone to look at your situation and do something, and the front door is blocked, then you have to find another way in. Which is when one of them has an idea, an epiphany. What if, and I know this will sound crazy, what if we try the roof? Hear me out. Together, we could lift him up, and when we get on top of the roof, we can dig through the roof. You see, for those who are unfamiliar with first century Palestinian residential architecture, typical roofs were simply wooden beams across the walls. Piled on top of that were reeds, and on top of the reeds was clay. So on top of the beams, they piled these reeds, And then there was a thick layer of clay. Between them and Jesus were these layers. They could dig through them. And if they got through those layers, they could lower the man. They could deliver him right to the feet of Christ. Talk about a labor of love. With the emphasis on labor. They are planning to lift, then dig, and then lower so that their neighbor or their brother or their uncle or a complete stranger can get what they need. And that is what they do. Together they lift up the man onto the roof. They begin to dig through the first layer of clay and then the layer of reeds, and next they navigate the wooden beams. And by now they most surely disrupted the entire scene below, and debris is falling upon the crowd that would not move. And once they have dug through wide enough to fit the man safely through, they begin to lower him. Through the exhaustion and burning muscle, they lower him with care and with love. And now he rests at the feet of Jesus. However, what prompts Jesus to forgive the man's sins? Is it when he looks down at his feet and sees the man. Verse 5 says, When Jesus looked up and saw their faith, 
when he witnessed the labor of love, when he saw their determination and persistence to get the man there, that's when he says to the paralytic, child, you, your sins are forgiven. So we don't know who the four people are, but because of their faith, because of their persistence, they carry this man 90% of the way, and Jesus is able to take it from there and give the man what he needs. In basketball or hockey or soccer, we call that an assist. They assist, and then Jesus blesses. While there is so much going on in this story, there is something the story wants us to acknowledge first that we must deal with. And that is, none of us got where we are right now. Not one of us would be sitting in a pew or at home watching online. None of us would be here right now without people that have carried us when the front door was blocked. There have been people in our lives that have poured time and energy and muscle into us in a season where we could not move or walk. Amen. After all, we were all babies. Somebody carried you and fed you. None of us got here without a small village. Somebody lifted you up when you were going through a challenging divorce or after you lost your job. Somebody did some digging on your behalf when you were in a season of self-doubt, when you struggled with imposter syndrome. Someone lowered you and delivered you with care, created space for an experience to rest when you were grieving the loss of a loved one. The story wants us to acknowledge that we have been carried and we we have been carried and we have times where we need people to lift us, to dig, and to lower us. The second point in this story is that of justice. As you've heard me say before, justice in our society is about punishment and retribution. Even death is a reasonable penalty in some states, including our own. However, God's justice is about life, grace, and what people really need. And this man that could not move needed Jesus. He needed justice. There are structures that have been built to keep people out. There are structures to keep people from getting what they most desperately need, like living wages, like health care, including met mental health care. There are laws and policies like House Bill 68, we talked about last week, which denies gender-affirming care. The four people in faith, a faith that moved Jesus, says we're going to find a way around. We're going to find a way to help this man's situation. I think we can go through the roof. And it's interesting that Greek for tear off the roof is literally to unroof the roof. To dismantle the structure which kept the man from getting what he needed. Tomorrow is MLK Day. 
a national celebration for Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who we often forget, don't lift up enough, that he was Christian, a preacher, and taught this very passage. And at a time when Jim Crow literally closed the doors for black Americans at restaurants or swimming pools, and did likewise figuratively through education to get a business loan or to be in a safe neighborhood equal to whites, King and many others took up the stretcher and engaged in a labor of love. Others followed, others labored, others are still laboring, but through nonviolence, dialogue, and resistance, they lifted and dug and put voting rights at the feet of Congress. And Jim Crow was greatly weakened, and the Civil Rights Act was passed. In a speech King gave, he is quoted to say, all labor, all labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and is important and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. MLK Day is the only national holiday that is a day of service, a day to get out and better your community, to lift up strangers, to support someone in need of justice. This is also the ministry of Christ. This is the work you and I have been called to do in this world. Even when the front door is blocked and the veto is overturned, we keep going. Even when it's unpopular, we will look for the roof or for an open window and find a way for Christ's justice. Everyone. Scripture says at the very end of this passage that everyone that witnessed the man's forgiveness and healing was amazed, and then they began to glorify God. Everyone in that room, everyone that threw some shade, everyone who was judging, everyone that blocked the door, was amazed and praised God. Justice blesses the entire community, not just one individual. And when we receive the care we need, when people are healed, housed, fed, recover from addiction, the community is blessed, and the kingdom of God is near. Amen? Amen. Amen.